So for several weeks, we've been looking at the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. And last week, we covered the Fourth Commandment. And in covering the Fourth Commandment, we now have covered what's been called the First Tablet, with the Ten Commandments being broken up into two sections, verses 1 through 4, concerning our duty to God, our vertical relationship with God. Now, commandments 5 through 10 are going to turn horizontally and talk about how God's people are to live in relationship with one another. Remember the big context of the Ten Commandments, that they are given to God's people after they've been delivered. Having been shown grace, God now tells His people, now this is how you go live in the earth. This is what my people are to do, the kinds of people they're supposed to be. And so in, in commandments 1 through 4, God speaks to our relationship with Him, how we're to worship Him, how we're to worship Him alone, how we're not to take His name in vain, and how we're to remember to keep His day holy. Now we're going to look at the horizontal, starting this week. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And you'll notice these commandments will get much shorter and very direct. Give your attention to God's Word. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, would you turn our attention now and would you by your Spirit be our teacher to probe our hearts, both young and old, both children and parents, to consider the depth of what this command would mean for each of us. Lord, would you help us to see the beauty of it? Would you help us to see our brokenness in it? And would you give us hope in the gospel? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So you may have heard it said, keep first things first, second things second. Have you heard that? Well, that really relates to this relationship of the commandments, the, the one through four being our relationship, emphasizing our relationship to God, and then five through ten bringing clarity to our relationship with one another. Quite, quite simply, it's this. If you want to get your horizontal relationships right with humanity, within your own family, with your neighbors, with the people of the earth, you've got to get commandments one through four addressed first. Everything begins with our knowledge and our relationship and our worship with the living God. In order to be right with creation, you have to be right with the Creator, you could say. C.S. Lewis, I was going to put it up here for you to see, and then I said, no, I'll just read it. But I just decided I'm just going to, I'm going to paraphrase it because it's a long quote, but I'll share it with you afterwards if anyone wants it. But he has this wonderful quote in the collections, the letters of C.S. Lewis, where he says, you've got to get first things first. If you want second things first, you're out of order 
And it's, you're, you're never going to have the joy of the second things if you don't have the first things first. And what he's speaking there of is human relationships, relationships with people. You want a great marriage. You want a great husband, a great wife. You want great children. Don't make those first things, C.S. Lewis is reminding us. Those are second things. And you will get second things when you put first things first. Our knowledge of God, our right worship of God, our living for the Lord. When things are right vertically, things will come into place horizontally. Think about that in your own life. If we make idols of the people around us, we want this relationship, it's got to be this person, it's got to be now. We want this job, it's got to be this job now. This house and that house now. When we make secondary joys primary, we'll never experience them as we should in any capacity. So commandments one through four, we've addressed. We address those first. Now, commandments five through ten. And it all starts with the family. If you're a teenager this morning, I've got a word for you. If you're a parent this morning, I've got a word for you, and I pray it's a good word. The same theme of Exodus 20, verse 12, is summed up in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So that, you, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. That's Paul's summary of verse 12 of Exodus 20 of the fifth commandment. And I'll condense all that to say this. I have three points for us and the first is this. The Lord has a beautiful purpose for families. He always has since the very beginning. Since Genesis 1 and 2, he's always had a beautiful purpose for his families. And here in Exodus 20 verse 12, he says, we're to honor our father and our mother. Now what does it mean to honor that father and that mother, the way the Lord says? Well, the word here means to show weight, show significance to who they are that the Lord has made them to be your father and mother, and now treat them with the significance, the weightiness that that means. Honor them in that way, because it is a significant role that God has given a husband and a father and a mother and a wife. And there's a promise attached to it in the commandment, which the Apostle Paul emphasizes, that your days may be long in the land. Well, what does that mean? That's really just a way of saying that you may be blessed, that you might flourish, that your days may be long and filled with joy. So there's a promise, or excuse me, there's a purpose, there's a promise, and it all falls in line with God's plan for families from the very beginning. And that is that the earth would be blessed by God's families representing Him in the earth that the world would be blessed through good families, righteous families living righteously in a sinful world, what would become 
a sinful world. And so there you have it all in a nutshell right there. There is a purpose, there's a promise, there's a plan. And from the very beginning, families have been at the center of it. Now, I don't have to make a strong case with a lot of examples about how the family has eroded, how there are cultural hostilities towards the family, efforts to redefine the family, efforts to redefine gender, which have to affect the understanding of a family. So our biblical understanding, everything that I've said so far, really is in our world and in our culture under attack. There's opposition to it. And so let me ask you, what do you think? What do you think are the building blocks of this world? Do you think it's the family? Do you think it's husbands and wives and fathers and mothers nurturing children, investing in children as a priority, loving them? And what the Lord says here is the great tension and hardship in a sinful world will be those parents leading honorably and those children showing honor and respect when everything in the sinful heart wants to push back against God and His authorities. And that's the tension that we have. That's the difficulty, is seeing our parents as God-given authorities in our lives. But I think in history, those who've commented on this commandment have gotten it right when they've said, but it is more than just your parents. What's said here really is that our God is a God of order, and He provides structure. And this is a commandment about authority, faithful authority in general. The Heidelberg Catechism, question 104, is answered this way. The question is, well, what does God require in the fifth commandment? And the answer is that I show all honor and love and faithfulness to my father and mother and, catch this, to all those in authority over me, that I submit myself with due obedience to their good instruction and discipline and also have patience with their weaknesses and their shortcomings since it's God's will to govern us by their hand. Do you hear that? There's some beautiful release of the tension when we realize that our authorities are fallen authorities in this life. There are shortcomings and there are failures. And what that means, teenagers and kids, is your parents aren't perfect. Your parents are going to make mistakes. Right? They're not perfect. I remember the first time I was pulled over for speeding and my oldest son gasped because he didn't think his dad would ever speed. And I disappointed him. I'm sorry, son. You're still recovering from that. Parents are not perfect. We're all sinners. But God has called us to be a faithful presence and to be authority in the lives of our children. And so for those of you who are parents, inside you should be saying, yeah, that's... That's right, I'm imperfect, I'm a sinner, and I'm, I'm, I'm a failure. But God has said that I'm to be the leader. I'm to produce and nurture children for the Lord. And so there's that tension. In this broken, here's my second point. 
the brokenness of our humanity, of ourselves, of the world in which we live, it's really revealed or exposed in the failure of families. So just like the Lord's Day that we considered last week, it was given to be this blessing, but sin has made us see it as a burden. Well, families are designed by God to be this great blessing to us and to the earth, but they tend to be broken and the source of the greatest pains in our personal lives, the greatest disappointments, the head-shaking experiences that hurt the deepest and that hurt the most. The brokenness of humanity, the sinfulness of this world, reveals the failure of families to be what God has called them to be. Two kinds of failure. There's a failure to lead within the family, and there's a failure to follow within the family. Leadership and followership. Two ways that the family has disintegrated and is crumbling. So a failure to lead. Now listen, when you talk about the family, you talk about fathers and mothers, there's going to be a lot of pain in the room. A lot of disappointment. A lot of hurt. That's universally true. There's been a failure to lead in our families because authority has been abused. It's been misused. And authority has even been abandoned. Dads who either aren't there or act as if they're not there. And those are two sources of great pain for so many men and women from when they were sons, younger sons and daughters. When authority has been abused emotionally, physically, any number of ways, how do you follow that? How do you honor that? How do you respect that? It's a source of great tension and great pain. But also the family has crumbled and is disintegrating from what God has called it to be because of the failure to follow. Even if mom and dad are faithful and mom and dad are great, you still have children who because of their own sinful nature just don't want to follow anything, right? They don't want rules. They don't want structure. They want this on their own. And all of us who have been teenagers will admit that that's true. Those of you who are teenagers yourselves, I don't think I'm telling you anything you aren't discovering to be true already. Let's put it this way. There's something that happens in the human heart Somewhere in those teen years, maybe sometimes it's younger than the teen years, usually it's during the teen years or just after the teen years. Uh, But to put it in my own vernacular, that's something that happens in the hearts of our young uh, men and women, our teenagers, is they start to view mom and dad as just not what they used to think they were, right? Mom and dad, you know, they're just not as smart as I, as I thought they were. They're not as caring. They're, they're just, they're falling short of what I thought that they were. Now, every parent probably has a memory from when you were a teenager of viewing your dad or viewing your mom through new eyes. As you were becoming a, an adolescent, moving into young adulthood, 
you had a disagreement with how your parents thought, how they led, the rules, the, the boundaries that they gave you, and you started to have what? Your own opinion. And yet God has called us to honor our parents. The Apostle Paul reminds us that children are to obey their parents because this is right. This is how it should be in the earth. And the opposite of that being, imagine a world where parents and children are at odds with each other and children are turning on their parents and abandoning their parents and not looking to their parents for counsel or for wisdom. But that is exactly what begins to happen somewhere around those teenage years, for, I'll say for many boys and girls. Maybe not for all. Maybe you're the exception. But I was not the exception. I was one who had moments of wanting to deny or disregard the authority of my parents. Sometimes knowingly, but oftentimes not really even thinking about it. So a few stories that might change your, perce your perception of me and my family. Brace yourselves. So I talked about some of these things in the last week or two with my family, and I had a flood of memories from my teenage years. Things that I think I was suppressing, um, forgetting the folly of my youth. And so I had a memory that, oh my goodness, I was 17 years old, playing baseball for my high school, loading on the team bus to drive two and a half or three hours with about 15 to 20 other players, when our coach, the one adult in the bus, said to me, a 17-year-old, here are the keys, you drive. I've got to grade homework. And do you know what I did? I was like, okay. And I, cr I, I cringe at this. I am shocked that I did this or that this happened. But a 17-year-old who had only been driving for probably a year and a half has 20 souls in the bus. I've never driven a bus before. I was never trained to drive a bus. And I'm driving a three-hour trip there and then a three-hour trip back in the dark responsible for all those people. That is shocking. Now, why did I not think to say to the coach, now, wait a minute. Let me call my parents and ask if this is a wise thing to do because if things should go wrong, they're going to be involved and the family name is going to be involved, and insurance is going to be involved. I, I tremble at the thought of what could have, been, could have gone wrong. Now, nothing went wrong, but there should be an instinct to say, now wait a minute, I have parents that exist, they've been given to me by God to oversee and to help me not make bad decisions. Let's honor them and include them in this. Amen? Amen. Okay, sorry, honey, but I'm going to tell this story too. So as I shared that story with my kids, my wife reminded me at about the same age, she had a similar story. Hers was that one of her friends at Daniel High School, where she went to school, a teenager, had a pilot's license and said, hey, why don't we fly to, I think it was Raleigh, North Carolina, somewhere in North Carolina, let's fly go have dinner, and we'll fly back. And she said, okay. 
And she said, Paul, I didn't even tell my parents. I got in the airplane with a teenager who flew out of state and had dinner and came back, and it never occurred to me. Mom, Dad, is this wise? Is this careful? Is this good? Instinctively, when we are teenagers, we will somehow turn off our ears and our minds and just say, okay. But teenagers, your parents exist. They are God's gift to you in your lives to help shepherd you when you want it and when you don't because you always need it. Think about that as you are living through your days and processing those great invitations that coaches and friends will make to you. Oh my goodness, the Lord has spared both me and my wife from the days of our youth, from our folly, what we prayed about, what we heard about in our our call to worship, our reflection, whichever it was. I don't know what exactly your teenagers, I'm thinking of you, what your uh, issues and, and opportunities are, but can you see that the Lord has given you parents or a parent, people to help you think through, to avoid folly, and that you're to honor them by including them? Your instinct is to keep them at an arm's distance and to say to yourself, I got this, right? But that's not how God has called His people to live. He's given us parents to rule us with wisdom and to teach us how to walk in God's paths. There's a failure to lead. There's a failure to follow. In everything, sin abounds. Now, the Lord had called His people. He was telling families, His his church, this is how you're structured. You're going to not want to honor your parents. You're going to have your moments where you want to turn on the authority God's given you. But you will be different in the earth because you will honor your father and mother all the days of your life from when you were very young until they are very old. And that's what makes us distinct in this world. A faithfulness, a loyalty to the structures that God has given us. An obedience to God and love of God that manifests itself in our relationship with fellow human beings. One more story. Several years ago, I got an email out of the blue, and it said, I, I can't remember everything it said, but basically it said, this is your blind neighbor knocking on your door by email. I would like to meet with you if you would meet me in the corner of your pasture behind the barn. That was a weird email to get because I had never met this person in my life. I didn't know that they were blind. But I replied and we set up a time. I invited him to come into my home and he said, no, 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 I'll meet you in the corner of the pasture. So this gentleman lived nearby. And long story short, uh, for years he had heard us singing on Sunday nights out in the barn, for those of you who can picture that. And I guess he knew that I was a pastor. And he was at a moment of crisis. And he had nowhere to turn for help. So he went and he found my email online and he sent that completely out of the blue email. And I began a relationship with him through his reaching out to me. But this is the nature of that relationship. He would say to me, Paul, I I came here from another country and his English 
was good enough, but very hard for me to understand. He came and he worked towards Greenville for his whole career, had a fine career, made plenty of money, and raised two children and had his wife that he had brought over from the other country. And he said, Paul, a few years ago I was diagnosed with macular degeneration and I'm now completely blind. And when I lost, began to lose my vision, my days at work began to dwindle away. I could no longer drive. And this is what he said. Now that I don't make any money, my family is abandoning me. Now, this story as it plays out is truly sad. Um, it's difficult. Um, he, he essentially, in his own words, said... I'm experiencing the fruit of a Darwinian worldview, the survival of the fittest, that the weak will flounder and die, and they can't keep up with everybody else. And he said, my family, now that I can't provide money for them, my teenage, college-age kids have abandoned me, and my wife is abandoning me. So he lived by himself as a blind man, they would come in and leave as they wished. He said, Paul, they're so cruel. He said that they had turned on him. Uh, they would bring their trash in with old meat, hide it in some obscure room so that he couldn't see it, he couldn't find it, but he just had to live with the stench of garbage in his home. They were taking his money, the money that he had, they had access to it. He said, Paul, I need help. I need help with groceries. I need help with doctor's appointments, going to the pharmacist. It's a horrible story and one that the Lord would minister to him through. That's what a world does with aging parents when there is no interest in honoring God and living according to the structure that His Word has given us. To honor our father and our mother not because they can do stuff for us, not because there are means to resources, but because they're the people that God has given us. And they're to be honored. They're to be shown the weight of who they are. And we're to love God by caring for our own. Even when they are aging, they are weak, and they can do nothing in return for us even if they should, in dementia, turn hostile towards us, we show a faithfulness, a loyalty, that is like God's own towards His sinful people. And the Lord said, that's what's going to make you different in the world. Children, honor your parents. Do what your gut instinct is going to tell you not to do. Obey your parents. Honor your parents. And one day, bury your parents with great honor and dignity. That's what the church is to do. That's who we are. And we're all stubborn and rebellious and we think we know better. But I'll tell you, when you've seen how the world and a, and a secular worldview views the elderly, it will make you shudder. It's inhumane. But God has called us to be redeemed humans. And it all begins in the family. It all begins in the home. It all begins with mom and dad and children learning, these are the people God's given me. They're authorities. They're not perfect. 
but I will love the Lord and honor the Lord and trust Him to use my parents for my good. There's a great hope that we have. I'll close with this. More than just an ideal of go honor your parents, there is truly a hope that this can be done and can be done in a redemptive way. That we can have a right view of authority, not just our parents, but all the authority and the institutions that God has rightly put in our lives. And we can have a righteous practice of authority. If you're a parent, that you can have an experience of, of, of ruling justly and rightly. There's hope for that. There's gospel hope for that. And there's hope that respectful honor of those in authority over us, that it really can be shown that we can submit rightly to the right authorities in our life. And really that hope, it's foreign to the world, but it's present in the church. And that is because it's Jesus Himself who has modeled for us what it is to be the perfect Son. Go and read Luke chapter 2 and read of His obedience to His parents, right? He has modeled a right view of authority. He's modeled the righteous practice of authority. And He has modeled what it is to honor His earthly parents and His heavenly Father. And He's done it beautifully in a way that we can only say, if He's at work in me, changing my heart, then I have hope of being that kind of person in the world. Maybe even for parents who don't deserve it. Parents who have wounded you. Parents who have disappointed you. But to show them that heavenly kind of honor that God would have. And He says we do it because we love Him, our Heavenly Father, and want to serve and model Him in the earth. I'll close with this. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5-11. through 11. This is how Jesus models for us what it is to truly honor and to live with humility. To be under authority, recognizing it as God's own. We're told... In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to death, even to death on a cross. Therefore God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Our Lord Jesus Himself came down from heaven and took on flesh. He humbled Himself. He modeled what it is to be true, righteous authority, but treated unjustly by the authorities of this earth. But He submitted to them. He respected them. He even honored them, strangely. And God tells His people, He tells His church, if you're to be characterized by anything in your families and in your homes... It all starts with honoring your own parents.
learning to submit to authority, learning to trust the structure that God has given the earth. Let's pray that those of us who are struggling in this might find strength to do it more and more, and that those who are representing that authority might find strength to live more faithfully in that authority. Let's pray. Lord, we confess to you that we resist authority. We don't represent authority as we should. And the commandment has identified in our own hearts another way in which we fall short of your glory. But Lord, would you work this gospel hope in us? That we would see it as your structure and your gift to us. That we would not be so quick to resist authority or to ignore authority, but that we would recognize it. Lord, would you help us to repent this morning? Perhaps there are some children who need to apologize for not listening and not obeying. Lord, maybe there are some parents who have not led with honor and have made it hard on their children to respect them. And words of repentance would be just as appropriate there. Lord, whatever the case, would you work in us that we might rightly represent you in the earth. We ask and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.